Welcome to the Evangelizing Catholic Culture Podcast Show with your host, Father David Tickerhoof, T-O-R. Father David is a retired priest currently ministering in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Our Lady Queen of Peace House of Evangelization. You can find the show notes for each episode on the podcast website, evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com. The teachings in this podcast are the thoughts and prayers of Father Tickerhoof and are based upon his good standing in the Catholic Church. And now, here's your host, Father David. You can find the show notes for today's broadcast, Freedom from Unnecessary Suffering. This is podcast number 11. And you can find the show notes at evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com. Now, here's Father David. Welcome, welcome to everyone. A good day. The Lord's grace and mercy be with all of you in the peace of mind and heart. This uh, second uh, pr- presentation is, uh, is actually going to look at the obstacles and uh, it's going to look at the obstacles and the blocks which exist in the lives of some individuals which cause unnecessary conflicts of a painful nature. This presentation reviews the major themes of pastoral healing, the gifts of compassion and mercy, the transforming power of faith-filled suffering, the, the uh, reasons Jesus healed others, and the access points where individuals can become very vulnerable to woundedness and hurts and become influenced unduly by personal evil. In the scriptures, Jesus encourages us to be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful. A good case in the translation of this could also say, be compassionate as your Father is suffering with compassion. We see this in the prayer of Daniel that God is in a direct relationship to all things in various ways, and he shares in some mysterious way the suffering that we go through, and he has great compassion in his heart for us. So Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 to 10. I'm going to quote from just a few verses. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Ah, Lord, great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and show mercy to those who love you, we have sinned. Justice, O Lord, is on your side. We are ashamed, for we have sinned against you. But to the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness. To show mercy is a praiseworthy thing to do. It suggests that this approach comes first from the head and not directly from the heart. For example, in a court situation, when a court shows mercy to a guilty party, 
In some cases, showing this kind of mercy is the right thing to do. Compassion, com, com, c-o-m, p-a-s-s, compassion means suffering with. Compassion, on the other hand, is prompted by the heart. It implies feeling another's pain and their painful condition and be willing to suffer with them. In other words, we are being asked to love our neighbor as ourselves, with both mercy and compassion. Both mercy and compassion. This complete understanding describes the Father's mercy. God is merciful because he has deep paternal feelings for us. This is so beautifully revealed in the biblical story of the prodigal son, the merciful father, Luke chapter 15, 11 to 32. Jesus, who shares intimately the heart of the father, himself shares this reality with us as he shares himself. We surely realize that God not only knows us intimately, but also has deep feelings for us. All our joys and hopes, grief and anguish are deeply felt by our God who loves with divine and human compassion and mercy. This was completed in the person of Jesus Christ. All suffering and evil that is or that ever will exist in the world in all of reality is now objectively taken up and transformed through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, all human suffering <clears throat> excuse me, introduces a transforming quality initiated through the divine reality rooted in and flowing from the glorified, risen Jesus Christ. This reality is at the center of Christian theology and certainly of the Catholic theology of salvation, reparation, restoration, and atonement. In recent years, we see this reality modeled in the life and ministry of Padre Pio. He experienced the wounds of the crucified manifested in his flesh. And it illustrates for us the transforming mystery of healing centered in the cross. It is a challenge, and sometimes it is hard for us to understand the all-embracive and tremendous power that is available to us in the effectiveness and fruitfulness of the cross of Jesus Christ. Yet in the dynamic experience of a living thing, this reality highlights the complete picture of healing in the church. I'd like to share with you the beautiful story of a French Catholic woman, and her name is uh, Elizabeth Leisure. She died in 1914. She and her husband were very, very much in love. They were from an upper-level background financially. Her husband came under the philosophical influence of the Enlightenment and the French Revolution and became an atheist. 
He constantly pressured Elizabeth to follow his path of belief and abandon her Catholic commitment. On one occasion, they made a pleasure trip to Rome, and Elizabeth went to the tomb of St. Peter to offer a prayer and just to pour out her heart to St. Peter. While she was kneeling there, she became filled with a special gift and experience of divine love, a new infused experience of faith. From that point on, divine love, mercy, and compassion filled her soul. Elizabeth records at one place in her journey, quote, as she was going through suffering and desolation, has my life known any unhappier time than this? Various forms of suffering and desolation. And through all these trials, and in spite of a lack of interior joy, there is a deep place in my heart where all these waves of sorrow cannot touch. There I can feel how completely one with God I am. And I gain strength and sincerity in the heart of Christ. End quote. Elizabeth was uniquely transformed by the suffering she experienced in her life. Back in France, her hidden life of love, suffering, and grace was hidden from others. In raising her children and serving others, she became known for her deep, caring wisdom, love, mercy, and good counsel. She experienced a tremendous amount of suffering because of the cleavage in the faith stance between her and her husband. She loved him very much and so experienced much suffering. There were other areas of her life where the suffering of the cross of Jesus displayed itself. She got breast cancer, which eventually became arrested. She eventually experienced very poor health and internal physical sickness. Finally, the cancer returned and caused her death. She died in the arms of her beloved husband at the age of 48. Her grieving husband was sorting out her things after her death, and he found her two journals. He sat down and read both of them. As a result, he converted to Catholicism. Eventually, he went to a seminary, became a Dominican priest, and served in the church for 20 years. Beautiful story, beautiful story. So let's look now at the healing of Jesus. Why did Jesus perform healing? When Jesus was moved with pity, he would heal to express his compassion. If you remember the story of the funeral procession coming out of the town and uh, the, the, he saw that the, the son, the only son of a widow had died and he was young. And so Jesus stopped the, the funeral procession and he raised the widow's son from death to life. And this is an example of his great abundant love and mercy and compassion. In Mark's chapter 1, he healed the leper for the same reason. Jesus healed to lead others 
to come to faith in him, constantly come to faith in him, wanting faith in him, for he presented himself and to believe in him and in the power and authority that he possessed from the Father. Recall the paralyzed man that those friends dug a hole in the roof and left him down in front of the feet of Jesus because they couldn't get in the door. When Jesus saw the faith of the friends who brought him in, he healed him. And then as the scribes and Pharisees complained that this was the Sabbath, he also turned around and said to the man that your sins are forgiven. The people were amazed and wondered at his tremendous love and power. Then there's a story where he healed Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick. Imagine that. All the disciples and Jesus, Peter, show up for supper, and she's sick in bed. So Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, and she got up and served. So we receive healing to serve. He healed the centurion's son from a distance because the centurion said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And Jesus recognized that he had covenant faith. He had covenant faith. And he said, I have never found so much faith among the Israelites. Jesus healed and delivered from personal evil. Recall the Gerasene demoniac who used to break chains. Nobody could hold him down. And the demons would drive him into places of solitude. And when Jesus asked, who are you, to the demons, they said, we are legion because we are many. And then after Jesus commanded them to go, they found the man sitting quietly, dressed and at the feet of Jesus and in his full senses. All these manifestations of the power of Jesus were signs and wonders to demonstrate the presence of the kingdom of God. And, and they occurred to establish the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ on earth and occur now through the ministry of the church to establish the kingdom of God on earth as well. So now let's take a look at the access points. How do individuals become vulnerable to their wounds and hurts and to the presence of personal evil. What are the access points where wounds and negative effects of personal evil are manifested in the human personality? Most authorities identify four access points. However, I would suggest there are five. I'm going to give them to you briefly and then I'm going to go over each one with a little better explanation. The first is unforgiveness and childhood trauma. These wounds, uh, these hurts and these attitudes wound uh, a person's identity and self-image. Number two, unhealthy, dysfunctional, or sinful relationships. Number three, Occult involvement directly or indirectly. Exposure to the influences of personal evil and its activity in human situations. Number four, 
Family bondages on both sides of the family, the, the patterns and dispositions of sin like alcoholism, robbery, uh, violence, and also from our national sin of racism and domination and other areas that affect individuals. Number five, primordial wounds of the heart, usually associated with severe addictions. So let's look at these now uh, a little more uh, extensively. Number one, unforgiveness and childhood trauma. There may be certain areas in us where unforgiveness effectively blocks God's forgiveness and grace, particularly the grace of healing. It is a consistent and well-known experience of confessors and prayer ministers that when praying for healing in the lives of a prayer recipients, prayer recipients, and a problem is not responding, a block is not breaking, unforgiveness is most often at the root, consciously or unconsciously. Somewhat related to the area of unforgiveness is trauma. What trauma the trauma, psychological, spiritual trauma, creates a shock to one's spirit, at least for a time, and develops a belief system in the mind based on serious misrepresentation or lies which take hold in the mind, like I'm no good, this should happen, if they did this to me, I must be wrong, there must be something wrong with me, it goes on and on and on, but it, it establishes a pattern of thinking that is detrimental to the whole growth of a maturity of the person, the child, as they grow. This experience can lead to convictions as I'm saying, or acceptations about truth, which causes us to become vulnerable to wounds or lies about self or others. I just articulated them. An inaccurate self-acceptance can profoundly influence one's self-concept, which can develop thoughts and feelings of self-condemnation, worthlessness, inadequacy, uh, uh, severe fears, abandonment, and self-rejection. This thinking can make one vulnerable to the influence of personal evil and the manipulations of Satan. Thus a person can develop hardness of heart or a debilitating fear that robs one of the goodness of life. And many do this unconsciously as a means of self-protection. Number two point, the second access point, is unhealthy or sinful relationships. Destructive relationships are not physical and emotional only. They are also profoundly spiritual. What can be called harmful is when the friendship is not enhancing the God-created good in either person, making it partially or totally an ungodly relationship. This type of relationship begins to have negative spiritual consequences for those involved. Thus there becomes spiritual baggage or negativity between the two people, two persons. This negative spiritual influence is a powerful bondage and opens the door to sin, manipulation, and oppression by the evil one. 
This type of relationship can unintentionally invite the evil one to come and have significant influence in the relationship. Here we could include all kinds of relationships that are negative, but especially unhealthy sexual relationships, addictions such as pornography and other abusive relationships. The third point, or the third access point, is occult involvement. This topic itself deserves a special study. I only mention it here to make us aware of its very negative impact on individuals. Simply put, involvement in the occult puts Satan on an equal footing with God. Not only a simple creature of his, but a creature who in his very rebellion against God wanted to be like God. It is precisely because we confirm Satan in being Satan when, he, when we turn the glory and honor due to God to him. He can get significant power over us, which is more than ordinary influences of evil. By the way, some in our contemporary church life ignore, deny, or dissociate from this truth. Certainly to their detriment, and possibly to the detriment of others as well. The fourth uh, access point is family bondages. This is a hard area because we go back three, three, four generations, and uh, we see na uh, weak or vulnerable or hurtful di dispositions or influence from uh, the, the common areas in which on either side of the family can come into families and influence the circumstances of life, behaviors, diseases, and habits of pattern or patterns of difficulty. When you're looking to see if you have any of these significant and obvious patterns in your family history, look for consistent patterns which identify spiritual, emotional, and physical difficulties and negativities that are destructive uh, to human persons and their relationships, and that are repeated in ancestral lines on both sides of the family. Just kind of perceive these, open your eyes to try to perceive and see if there's any episodic happenings by any given individual, especially of a negative or destructive nature that has influenced you or members of your family. Here, kindly and, and, and mercifully and discerningly, be aware of the results of adoptions because people, some people really are very generous in their heart and they adopt people and they don't even know what their backgrounds were. But be aware that there, that there may be some things. Sometimes the primordial wounds of the heart exist in the heart of some who don't know their parents of origin. You may notice that often you may not be able to find factual proof for some of your children's negative behaviors that are just overwhelming at times for some of these things. However, the painful and debilitating evidence is expressed in symptomatic behavior. If there is a problem consistent for a long time, it is worthwhile working it down, if possible, to its roots through the frequency of repetition. 
Some issues in healing need to be gradually related to through in-depth uncovering level by level. That's the fourth access point of family bondages. The fifth point is the one that I particularly added in addition, and that is addictions and compulsive behavior. In the current literature of human development, the primary attention is being given to personality disorders and to alleviating the harm caused by the huge number of multiple addictions prevalent in our society, the opioid issues that are going on, tremendous things are going on at this time. Some say that addiction is rooted in the mind. This may be. However, if this is true, the emotional upheaval and the spiritual disintegration is also a monumental and painful experience. And many in our nation are moving away from a God-centered society. The values and behaviors are now more manifested with the destructive forces of secularism, individualism, materialism, and other forms of violence. Most caring people have become significantly more aware of the, a massive amount of compulsive, destructive addictions and violence in our country and sometimes in our own families. The contemporary opportunities of asceticism, counseling, and spiritual direction are good as, as they are in themselves. They are good means for growth. Have only, though, made a small dent in the cure and advancement for individuals one of the reasons why freedom from addictions is so difficult is because it's of its compulsive nature. Some say where there is addiction, there is unrighteousness and sin. For our purposes here, it is important to note that addictions easily become a major vulnerable access for the oppression and infestation of personal evil in addition to feeding off of the hurts and wounds of the heart. So what we want to do is we want to become free and transformed. Humble, open, we desire to really serve the Lord and serve our brothers and sisters. And it is a good thing in God's love and mercy that he desires us to grow in personal, whole freedom. For wholeness is holiness. May we pray. Lord Jesus, to know you is eternal life. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I love you and I place my trust in you. I am so sorry for all my sins and from withholding myself from you in any way. Please forgive me and heal any pain I have caused others. I forgive anyone who has hurt me and I ask you to bless them. In your name, Jesus, I renounce anything in my life that is not of you, that I have welcomed into my mind or heart. Wash me in mercy and fill me with your precious blood and Holy Spirit. Father, all of my need for love and affection is found in your love and embrace. May I never leave 
my home in your heart again. By your grace, I resolve to remain in your shelter and abide in your shade and live in your kingdom where you restore to me the joy of your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This prayer was formed by Father John Horn, Director of Spiritual Life at St. Vincent de Paul Seminary, Boynton Beach, Florida, and his associates. The opinions on this broadcast are those of Father Tickerhoof. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast, and please share this podcast with a friend. And to contact Father David, email him at frdavidjt at gmail.com. And be sure to leave Father a star rating on any podcast app. You can find more information about Father David on evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com.